Father God, we thank you this morning that your mercies towards us are new and fresh. Mm -hmm. Oh Lord, we need your mercy. Yes. We thank you for the understanding and the reality that we stand in grace because of Jesus. We stand in your grace this morning, Lord. We look at the world and can't imagine what it looks like through your eyes. Such a disappointment. You have such great promise and hope for us as your people. Lord, in the midst of chaos and anger and pain and suffering, may the church be the answer that points people to Jesus, the only answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Beside him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. Lord, we pray in the message this morning that Camille brings that you put on her heart that you would give us some answers from your word. Yes. And that you would give us a conviction that you've called us to righteousness. You've sent the Holy Spirit to work righteousness in us, that we would be in right relationship with you, right relationship with each other, right relationship to the world, that we would not cower, um, that we would walk in your power, and that you would be glorified in what we do and what we say. To that end, we thank you this morning, and we look expectantly, and we exult in the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, it is so good to be with you all this morning. Um, as we were worshiping earlier, uh, a, a, a phrase came into my mind from the scriptures, so I looked it up, and it's in Psalm 11. And um, I, I hadn't planned to share this, but this came to my mind, and I wanted to start with this. In Psalm 11, it's a prayer of David, and David says, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In another version of scripture, it went, says, instead of saying the foundations, it says the foundations of law and order are destroyed. What can the righteous do? When I watched on TV last night, the destruction taking place in Raleigh and Fayetteville, and Durham, and in other cities around the country, I thought about the destruction but then in the very next verse, it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see and his eyelids test the children of man. I love that. An African-American friend of mine this week wrote to another pastor and said, what we've got to do is keep looking up. <laughs> 
keep looking up. Looking up where? To the Lord who's in his holy temple, to the sovereign God of the universe who sees everything and who knows exactly what's going on. And he is not shaking his hands. He's not sweating. He's, he's the sovereign Lord of the universe and he has got it under control and he has got a plan. Um, I have a PowerPoint prepared, but I don't wanna to go to it quite yet. I was very, un I had such an unusual day yesterday. I was very agitated all day long, deep inside of me. I didn't really know how to put it into words. First thing in the morning, I was out on my back porch having my quiet time. And I had an email, I got an email from one of my neighbors saying that they had been broken into the night before. Someone had kicked in their back door at 1130 at night and had taken two laptops off the kitchen table and then took off. And, um, and they had called the police. And so then I had to go put a notice around everybody, let them know, be aware, be, be extra vigilant. And then I started thinking, you know, Lord, uh, with so many millions of people right now in our country out of work, and not just our country, but around the world, people are getting desperate. Uh, people don't have money. People don't have employment. Somebody that breaks into a house and steals a laptop is probably just looking for a quick way to find some money uh, to be able to do something. Then I went grocery shopping. I was in the parking lot of the Lidl store over in Cary. And uh, this is the second time in two weeks I've been approached in the parking lot. I don't know if it's happened to one of you, but a young couple approached me and the woman was in a wheelchair with half of her leg. One of her legs was half gone at the knee. The man, young man, probably in his late 20s, early 30s, pushing her in the wheelchair and they came up to me and they said, we're living in our car. We don't have any place to live. It's really hard. Can you help us? And uh, I personally don't like to just hand money out. So I asked him, I said, do you need food? They said, we'll take anything. We'd love to have some food. So we went back in, I had been, I had done shopping. I was done shopping. So I, I took them back into the Lidl store. They got a basket. They didn't look very nice. They weren't wearing a mask. The lady looked really, really in bad shape. He didn't look that great either. We went into the Lidl store, went down the aisles. I said, just get what you need. And uh, people were staring at them and looking badly at them. And we got to the checkout counter and we checked out and, and they said, thank you. I said, well, let's go over here. I'd like to pray with you. So we just stopped and prayed and I, I had a mask on and, uh, and I just started praying. I said, Jesus, please help these people. I said, what are your names? So Dennis and Lindsay. So I just prayed for Dennis and Lindsay. And I said, what kind of, where are you from? What kind of work do you do? I said, let, give me your number. I'll see if I can't find you, link you up with somebody that maybe you can find some work or have you contacted the Raleigh Rescue Mission? All those kind of questions that come to your mind. I gave them my number um, and I never heard from them again. Um, but it really made me stop and think. The, the message today is about identity and how we see, how we see one another, how, how God sees us, our identity. That, that experience in the parking lot was the second time in two weeks 
Two weeks ago, I was approached by a young African-American woman in the Walmart parking lot. She just walked up to me and she said, I need a ride. And she said, I don't have weapons. I don't have drugs. I'm not crazy. She reached in her pocket and pulled out her driver's license. And she said, I'm just in a terrible place. I need a ride over to Lowe's, the gro Lowe's grocery store where my mama works nearby. I had my mom in the car with me and it was a split second decision. I said, get it, please get in my car. And um, I took her over to Lowe's parking lot and on the way over, she said, we don't have any food. The only person eating in our household is the dog. And I just broke my heart and it broke my mama's heart. Was she telling me the truth? I don't know. Um, but we took, drove her to Lowe's and gave her some money for some groceries and, and uh, went on. You know, it really touched me deeply because the situation we're in right now, three months ago, we had a booming economy. We had 3% maybe unemployment. And within three months, we've got millions, 20, 30 million people out of work. We've got people that are filled with uncertainty and anxiety and despair. We've got people that from all walks of life, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, people that from all professions, even our own Roger Banner, no job. It, um, Re Rebecca, had, Rebecca was affected by it. Um, and, and it's reality. And within three months, this has happened. And people are hurting. And, um, and how do we respond? How do we respond as the people of God? What is the Lord saying to us? And then in the top of all of that, with all of that tension, all of that, all of that heaviness we're walking through as a nation, then this man, George Floyd dies and it's like a match that was just lit. And it was like uh, a fire that was just waiting to be started. Um, so there's one little flame and then boom, it's exploded across the country. What is the Lord saying to us about how he sees people? And you know, identity is a very important thing. Identity is what defines us and what kind of identity that we, that we create for ourselves or how our, what our identity, how we perceive our identity makes a huge difference in our lives. My father was unemployed for two years when I was in high school. We qualified for food stamps. Uh, we qualified for free lunch, but we were, I said, I don't want it. We took peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day. I didn't want free lunch. My mother would take the food stamps and go into the grocery store and she'd post us at the door and say, if anybody that knows us comes in here, please let me know. I don't want them to see me having to use food stamps. It was really a hard time for my family. Two whole years unemployment for my dad. He was so depressed. And um, it's, 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 a, it's a reality that really presses us into the Lord and his, into his compassion. And I wanna just, so I wanna speak this morning about identity. This is a message that's been on my heart for weeks. I've been taking a lot of long walks and just thinking and praying and this whole thing about identity. Because identity is a spiritual battle. 
it's been a battle from the very beginning of time because at the very beginning when god created humans he gave them their identity image bearers of god adam was the son of god eve was the daughter of god their identity was secure their identity was in the God who made them, the God who created a place for them to live, a God that created safety for them, and a God who loved them deeply. And, um, and so they didn't question ident their identity until one day when they were confronted with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the deceiver came and said, you can have a different identity, you know. Uh, if you eat from this tree, you will, you will be like God. You, you, you will know difference between good and evil. You'll be your own God. You won't need him anymore. Uh, he's not really good anyway. He's keeping something from you. And when they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they decided to construct their own identity, an identity apart from God. And as soon as they did that, they felt ashamed. They went into hiding and they started blaming each other. And the next, the next thing you see is that they grab some fig leaves and they cover themselves. They start to hide. And we've been hiding as a human race ever since. What's your favorite fig leaf? What's my fig leaf? What do I hide behind? Well, for most of my life, I've hidden behind the fig leaf of self-sufficiency. I don't, I don't need, I, I can do it myself. I can take care of myself. A lot of that just became, because of my own circumstances, growing up, firstborn child, a lot of different family dynamics, I became my own self-sufficient person. I felt like I had to. Um, but it's a lie that we're self-sufficient. That's a false identity. We are not self-sufficient. We were not made to be all alone. We were, need, we were made for each other. We were made for community. We were made for God. We're not self-sufficient, but that's a fig leaf that we hide behind. We hide behind, many times in my life, I've hid behind the fig leaf of my mind because I was good in school. I was good in intellectually and my safe space was my mind but my heart wasn't very well developed. My emotional life was not very well developed. I hid behind what I was good at, and that was my mind. I remember when I joined Singles and Friends in my 20s, and one of the first things I said to Pat was, Pat, I can't cry. I cannot cry. And I'll never forget her the next time we met as Singles and Friends on a Wednesday night, and Pat, in her gracious way, said, Camille? Can you come on up to the front? And she put her arm around me. And she said, now Camille is having trouble crying. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord in heaven, help me. <laughs> and, um, and, it was, and it was one of those. And I, then I just started sobbing, you know. And people were just reaching out to me with love and compassion and, and, and wanting me to be set free in my emotions. And... And it, has, and it is such, has been such a journey in my personal life that, that my identity would not be just in my mind, the security of my mind and my intellect. My security would not be in self-sufficiency. 
My security would not be in having everything under control because it's a big illusion. We don't have everything under control. We need each other, we need God. And so identity, it is a battle. And, and it is a battle for our lives. And it is a battle for the lives of your family members. It is a battle for the lives of your crosswave members. It is a battle for the identity of our nation. It is a battle for the identity of the church. It is a battle for the lives of your sons and daughters that you're crying out for and believing for God's best for. It is, it is a spiritual battle how our identity is defined. What shapes us? What shapes us? And um, Bill, I think I will ask you now just to put the PowerPoint up and I'm gonna flip through some of the first ones rather quickly. Um, and I wanna just use this, uh, I'll send this out to you later, but I just want to just help us walk through it a little bit here. And so the, our identity in Christ, it is God's redemptive process through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must have our identity shaped in Christ or else something else will shape them. And I can tell you that whatever else shapes our identity besides Jesus is a false identity and it will leave us in poverty, in deep poverty and in deep pain as we're seeing on the television right now. These precious people, even the ones who are the instigators, God loves them and did not desire that kind of plan for their lives. And they have gotten wrapped up into an identity that is a false identity. If we go to the next slide, um, we see, you know, when I, you know, two of the most important questions is when we shape our identity is who is God and who am I? When I was 15 years old, I began journaling and I've journaled all my life. I've got boxes full of journals. But my first journal, when you opened it up, this is what it said. Who am I? Who is God? Why am I here on the earth? And what is the purpose of life? And that was 15 years old. Of course, I've always been a thinker. But I have not been anywhere in the world. I have not been in any religious tradition. I have not been in any country of the world where the people do not ask the same questions. And so this, these two questions, who am I? That's the identity question. Who am I? And who is God? And if you look at the next slide, um, it is... Um, there are two quotes here. It says, this is St. Augustine. He says, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Then John Calvin said, nearly the whole of sacred doctrine consists in these two parts, knowledge of God and of ourselves. In other words, as Magda said earlier, there needs to be a, an ongoing repentance that comes when we see ourselves for who we really are. The knowledge of ourselves leads us to the knowledge of God, and the knowledge of God leads us to the knowledge of ourselves. It is a dynamic process. Often we don't even know ourselves. We don't know what we're capable of. 
We don't know the limit, the, the depth of our sinfulness. And as that's revealed to us, we are pushed towards the mercy and grace of God who alone can change us, forgive us, and redeem us. It is a divine interchange between knowing ourselves and knowing God, and we must engage in both of them. Just knowing about God and, and being in denial about ourselves is not going to take us to the place that God wants to get us to. So if we look at the next slide, and I, I, I shared this a minute ago, in the garden, it says that God made us in his likeness and image. He created us as his image bearers. And so our initial identity, our primary foundational identity is image bearer of God. And I asked you, I gave you that video link if you wanted, if you wanted to look at it. But what's interesting is that the original image of God that he created us in has been corrupted by sin. And his original desire for us as image bearers has turned into something he never wanted for us. But he is redeeming us. And the thing is that when Adam and Eve decided to construct their own identity, immediately they went into hiding. And that's why I asked the question, what's your favorite fig leaf? That's the next slide. And it may sound like a funny question, but it's an important question. How do we tend to hide from one another and hide from God? How do we tend to hide from one another and hide from God? We all have our favorite fig leaves, if we're really honest with each other. Some people hide behind the fig leaf of poverty. They have a poverty mentality. Some people hide behind the fig leaf of fear. Um, they, there's all kinds of fig leaves, folks, and we love to use them because we're scared to death to see who we really are, and we don't want people to see who we really are because it will expose us. But God, asked Adam, where are you? What in the world happened to you? Where are you at? He wasn't asking them, where are you? What tree are you hiding behind? He was asking them the existential question. Where are you at spiritually? Where, what, what has happened here? And, and Adam said, well, you know, you know we, we, we realize we're naked. You know, we're vulnerable and, and we were afraid. And then God asked them, who told you that? Folks, this is a key question. Who has informed your identity? Who has formed your identity? Which people have spoken into your life? Which circumstances have you lived in that has left a mark on your life that has shaped your identity that is a false identity? If we go to the next slide, we have to ask ourselves, um, why is identity so important? Well, it's because it defines us and it shapes what we will become. And, and, and we can be shaped into many, many different, um, different, different forms of, of uh, humanity that's not what God intended for us. And so you look at the next slide, and this is so fascinating. I've been reading a book lately 
called The Gift of Being Yourself. And it's so, and the author says, only humans struggle with identity. This is a fascinating thought. I took this picture on my back patio a couple weeks ago because I have a tiger lily plant on my back patio and it only blooms once a year and it's beautiful when they bloom. And nothing else in creation is concerned about identity except humans. A lily is a lily. A lily doesn't want to be a rose. A rose is a rose. A dog is a dog. A dog doesn't sit around thinking, I wish I was a cat, okay? All creation gives glory to God by being exactly what the creation is. A rock, a tree, a mountain, a river, the air, the birds, the, the plants. Nothing else in, in human, nothing else in creation struggles with its identity. It simply is what it is, and it gives glory to God by being what it was created for. But humans, we have a problem. <laughs> if you go to the next slide, humans struggle with identity. Why? Because we think, we consider options, we make decisions, we act, we doubt, we build many identities. Because God has given us the choice and the ability to think, but he wants us to find our identity in him. There is only one true self that has been hidden in Christ for all identity for Cecil Madden. As I can see Cecil here on, one of, on the side. That's why I said Cecil right at the top. There's only one true identity created from the beginning of time and hidden in Christ for all eternity for Mary McLaurin and for Sherry Bedsall and for, the, and, for Keith, and for Denise and Lindsay that I met at the Lidl store yesterday that didn't have any, any place to sleep and for the black lady that approached me in the Walmart who needed a ride. There's only one true self that's been hidden in Christ for all eternity for each single person on the human planet. But what we choose to do, what we choose to be shaped by, uh, will, will create many identities that will not lead us down a nice path. This little boy that's pictured there on the seaside playing with his truck is my nephew, my great nephew Deacon, three and a half years old. What will he become? I don't know yet. Will he know, come to know Jesus? I don't know yet. I pray to God that he does. Well, I know one thing. He's never been in a church service in his life. He's never been in a place where he could experience the presence of God, although he has very loving parents. But that little boy is right now, he's three and a half years old, and his identity is being shaped. It's being shaped. What's it going to be shaped by? I just pray that Aunt Camille is part of shaping his identity, pointing him to Jesus. We go to the next slide. We see that um, the beginnings of our identity, and I want you to really think about this, folks, because this is what we're struggling with now in our country. The first beginnings of identity, your name. Your name, the name that was given to you is, is, is part of your identity. What does your name mean? Your family of origin, your parents. What kind of parents, what, what did you get from your parents? You know, um, 
my parents were very hard workers, very lo they were loving, they were protective, but my parents had their own issues like all parents do. No, they're no perfect parent. But there was a little insidious thing in my family that, that we didn't deal with conflict well and that when, when tension arose, my, we, we experienced the silent treatment. You know, and so like my father would just go silent and he wouldn't talk to us for days. Well, that was already firmly planted in my identity as a little girl. By the time I gave my life to Jesus when I was nine years old, I had already put that on God. I already made the assumption that authority figures would go silent if I made a mistake. And so you see many of our identities, parts of our identity has, has come from a, a, our way back in childhood. Our, our nationality, our culture, I'm American, I'm Chinese, I'm Korean, I'm Peruvian, I'm Colombian, you know, I'm a Canadian, I'm German. Our culture has shaped our identity. Our gender shapes our identity. Our religion, our socioeconomic status, our skin color, all of these things have a role in shaping identity. But Christ is above all of it. Christ is the shaping force that is above all of these things. And our identity primarily is in him, but there are many things we have to work through to see our identity formed and shaped in Christ. Okay, next slide. So here are some of the hidden identities, and it's just a short list, folks. There's just a long, long list. But here are some of the hidden identities that we have. I must perform well to be loved and accepted. I am the master of my own destiny. I'll never be worth anything. I am all alone. I don't need anybody. I am afraid and fearful. I can do anything, and I'll prove it. I must have everything under control. I must hide who I really am or I'll get rejected. I am superior to others. And we could go on and on. And I don't know if you can relate to any of these, but you know, I think it's important for us to ask the Lord, you know, where do we, what are some of the things that are deeper inside of us that are hidden identities that we hide behind? You know, what in the world was that white police officer thinking, you know, when he, when he left his knee on the neck of George Floyd until he went limp and unconscious? What was he thinking? What was he thinking? Many times power corrupts our identities. If we've got the power, then we feel like all of a sudden we're superior. We can do whatever we want. And folks, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter who you are or what color you are. Power corrupts if we're not careful. Power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. So if, we, if you have a position of power over young people, you have a position of authority at the job you do, be careful. Because power is something that has to be managed well. And if we're not careful, we can use power to really put other people down. Um, so, and knowledge is power, you know? I mean, there's, you just, it just goes, it's like a big 
root system underneath the ground in our hearts where there's lots of like tentacles of root system we go oh god search my heart and know me oh god search my heart and know me show me lord where i am seeing things wrong show me where i'm judgmental show me where i feel superior to others show me where i treat people poorly show me where i'm show me where i'm doing well show me where you're show me where you you would say wow well done show me lord where i'm at teach me change me help me help me to have a heart of compassion do something in me god um so this is this is part of the cry of 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 uh this identity formation in our lives how many of you would say you can relate to this anybody you got anybody relate to this okay next slide so <clears throat> what happens when we begin to follow jesus well when we really begin to follow jesus our false identities are confronted with his radical truth and the transformation process begins shaping us into who we really are in christ now i'm not talking about church going Okay, just going to church is not going to necessarily do this. I'm talking about following Jesus. I'm talking about, you know, I mean, every day we are walking with Jesus. We don't just come to church on Sunday and do whatever we want the rest of the week. And I know that's not what this fellowship is all about. But I'm telling you, there are millions of people that go to church every Sunday, and they're not really into this transformation process. We're talking about radical discipleship here. This is the process that leads us into greater levels of freedom and wholeness. It's our true self hidden in Christ. Our true self. I mean, folks, when we finally get on the other side of this life and we're in the place called heaven, we're in New Jerusalem, our true, fully true identity in Christ will be fully revealed and it will be glorious. It will be glorious, the real Rebecca. The real Rebecca, she will just be walking the streets of gold, radiant and full, just, just all who she is in all of her true self that's been hidden forever in Christ. But she's becoming that now, but not fully, but it's in process. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's a painful journey because it means we have to change. We have to be confronted. We have to say, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes to help me see, to help me hear other people. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about lately for my own life is, you know, because I lean into my mind so much is that when people act in ways that I don't understand, my first thought is that's not logical. They're not acting logically. You know, my sister is not acting logically when she gets mad at me. And recently the Lord said, Camille, it's not about logic. It's about listening to people's hearts. And he said to me, he said to me, Camille, the next time your sister gets mad, I want you to listen to her heart and get out of your head. And I did that recently because she got mad at me again. And I, and I said, and I listened to her heart. And you know what? It changed my perspective. It changed my perspective. So this is this, this radical shaping of identity that Jesus wants to do with us. 
So now I want to give you an example. If we go to the next slide, um, I want to give you an example from the life of Peter, okay? Um, I'm watching the time. I'm, I'm not going to go too much longer, but I, I want to just give a few snapshots from the life of Peter because I want to just show you that this is what Peter went through. And I, like I said, I'm going to send you the PowerPoint later, but this Peter was a, was a young, probably teenager when Jesus called him. He was a fisherman, okay? And Peter, you see, as you go through the life of Peter in the scriptures, you see this, this transformation that began to take place in him as he began to realize who he really was and who Jesus really was and how Jesus was changing him. The first thing that happens with Peter is Jesus calls him. So um, if you can go to the next slide, Peter is just minding his own business. He's a fisherman and Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee and he looks at Peter and he says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And Peter just dropped his net and followed Jesus. Now that's pretty radical, <laughs> you know? In other words, you know, he just left his job and he followed Jesus. I go to the next slide. And we have to ask ourselves a question. What do you think Peter knew about Jesus at this point that make him drop his net? I think it's Jesus. He's heard about Jesus maybe a little bit. He's heard that this guy's healing people and everything, but Jesus was new on the scene, you know? But maybe Peter, as a young Jewish boy, has been waiting for the Messiah. I, I'm just speculating. And he's thinking, maybe this is the guy who's gonna get rid of the Romans. All right, I'm gonna join that movement. <laughs> maybe that's what he thought who knows what might Peter have said about himself well he might have said hey I'm a Jew I'm uh I hate the Romans can't stand them can't wait to get rid of them I'm a fisherman and uh he might have said he had a bad temper oh, I don't know yet he had he did have some temper problems but maybe he wasn't aware of them yet we don't know next slide G uh he's following Jesus he hears Jesus preach and Jesus put, sends his disciples into a boat and they go across the lake and they, a big storm came up and they were scared to death. And they looked up and they saw Jesus walking on the water. They'd never seen that before. Would you be freaked out if your friend started walking on the water in the middle of Lake, John, Lake uh, Falls Lake? Yeah. And, um, and, and Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, Command me to come walk to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on the water. And then look what it says. Then he saw the wind and he was afraid and he started to sink. And he said, God, help me. Lord, help me. Save me. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him and saved him and said, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And you know, people often give Peter a bad name. They go, oh, he had such little faith. Well, he's the only one that got out of the boat. <laughs> he's the only one that stepped out. And then they, they realize, oh my gosh, this, this Jesus is more than we ever thought. He's really the son of God. Next slide. And you see, what might Peter have said about Jesus at this point? He might've said, wow, Jesus is Jesus is really God. I mean, he walked on water. He calmed the storms. What might Peter have recognized after about himself? Maybe he thought, maybe he would have said, you know what? 
I have a little faith, but maybe I sure want a lot more. Or I'm kind of courageous, but when it gets tough, I start to sink. Who knows what he thought, but I'm just asking the question. Next event, okay? This is fa way fast forwarding. Three years later, three years later, they're at the Passover and Jesus, they went into the Mount of Olives and Jesus is, be, is almost going to be arrested. And Jesus tells them, um, you're going to all fall away from me. And Peter says, if everybody falls away, I'll never do it. Jesus says, this very night, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, even if I die with you, if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same. Peter could not conceive of the fact that he was capable of denying Jesus. We all are. We all are. He couldn't conceive of it. Next slide. And then it happened. Jesus was arrested. Peter followed. People came up and said, hey, you know him. We know you know him. You know that Jesus. Peter denied it three times. And then the rooster crowed. And it says he went out and wept bitterly. He was confronted with his own humanity and sinfulness. Next slide. What might Peter have thought about Jesus at this point? What might Peter have thought about himself after his denial? If Peter was anything like me, I would have been immersed in self-pity and self-loathing of how I could have failed that badly. Next slide. Next thing we see after the resurrection of Jesus, John 21, Jesus is on the shoreline, they're out fishing. And uh, notice they went right back to fishing. <laughs> um, and he asked, hey, do you have any fish? And they were like, no, we fished all night, didn't get any. And then he says, well, put the net on the other side. And they couldn't even bring it in, it was so full of fish. Who rent, and, and John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, what did he do? He, he throws himself into the water. He can't wait to get to Jesus. He can't wait to get to Jesus. And he drags the, the net in and they have breakfast together. They had breakfast together. Isn't that the most precious picture? And then the next slide, after breakfast, Jesus says, to Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter was grieved because he, Jesus said to him, do you love me three times? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he tells him, you know, what's gonna happen in his future. And he says, you know, when you get old, you're gonna stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not wanna go. He was talking about his death. And then Jesus says to him, like he said to him three years before, follow me, follow me. The next thing we see, the next slide is so encouraging. Okay, so Jesus eats breakfast with Jesus and he's restored, he's forgiven. 
What might he have said about Jesus now? Oh my gosh, Jesus is so forgiving. Jesus is so loving. Jesus hasn't given up on me. Um, what might Peter have said about himself? Oh my gosh, I never realized the depth of my own heart, the depth of my own brokenness. The next thing we see, so encouraging, Pentecost. This is Pentecost Sunday. And fear is being replaced by faith and boldness. And Peter gets up on, at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. They've been waiting for the Holy Spirit for six weeks since the uh, Passover. And um, Peter stands up and preaches this amazing sermon and 3,000 people get saved. And all of a sudden, fearful Peter is now faithful Peter. And, 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 and uh, fearful Peter is now bold Peter. And now Peter becomes a major leader in the church. Something's happened to Peter. He's been with Jesus. And now he's filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. And he is alive. He's alive. It's amazing. And then the next thing we see at the end of, the, of his life is he wrote two books in the Bible, in the New Testament, First and Second Peter. And he's talking about, let me just read one passage for you out of Second Peter. And this is, this is written by the man who had gone through all of these things, all of his doubts and fears and temper and all these things. He says this, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race. That's your identity. You're a royal priesthood, your identity. You're a holy nation, identity. You're a people for his own possession, identity. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's writing about identity. He's had a major reshaping of his identity. He's secure in who he is. Of course, he's not fully his full self yet because he, he's not with the Father yet after in the next life, but he has come a long way, baby. Peter has come a long way. He's been changed, transformed. Go to the next slide. Uh, this is a little word cloud I created from uh, looking at, I sent you that list of all those verses about our identity in Christ. This is a word cloud I made and you can look at it later. But you know what? Let's remember that our identity is firm in Christ and that other people that they, they don't know Jesus yet. His desire is that they would know him that, and that he is redeeming and that he cares about the world and he cares about our city and our country, our families, our lives, and he is not giving up on us. And we are called to be his image bearers, his image bearers to show the world who he really is holy, righteous, just, loving, compassionate, forgiving. Uh, he is one who disciplines. He is the one who, uh, he redeems us. He saves us. He is, he's our everything. This is what the world is crying out for, but we've got to be his image bearers. This morning I turned on the TV. What did I see? A hundred people downtown Raleigh sweeping up all the broken glass. 
I thought, praise God. Praise God. We've, as we are image bearers of Christ, whoever we're coming in contact, can we give them a smile? Can we, can we open our hearts to people that are broken? People that don't smell good. People that are in prison. I'll never forget Jonathan's message about a year ago about being at the Kairos ministry and how, how it touched him so deeply. Being with people who hadn't stepped on grass in years. People who hadn't been out in the, the fresh air in decades. Oh my gosh, folks. I watched a show the last week on America's Got Talent and one of the men who sang had been in prison for 37 years, falsely, a black man. And he had just been released last year and he was singing on America's Got, Got Talent and it was amazing. Are we willing to say, yes, there's injustice? Are we willing to open our eyes and say, yes, God, our nation needs healing and how can I be part of it? Are we willing? Let's go to the next final slide. What is God saying to us? How has our identity been shaped? In which ways are we living in false identities? How, let, let's respond to the Lord. How might the current COVID-19 crisis and other issues be shaping our identity in a negative way? Oh, Lord, you can't trust anybody. You know, did I get scammed in the parking lot yesterday? Maybe. You know what? I don't care. I went in and bought somebody, another human being, food to eat. If I got scammed, I got scammed. But I'd rather be scammed buying food for somebody to eat than to walk away uncaring. And you know what? We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by the Lord. I felt like the Lord was leading me. It's not, you, you don't just go out and do, do whatever, but you have to be led by the Lord. But let's be led by the Lord. Let's be compassionate. Um, what areas of our life and identity is God speaking to us about? And how can we respond? What is one step that we can take to have a better understanding of someone else? What is one step we can take? to be a, a changing force in our own community, our own neighborhood, our own family, our own city. What can we do? What would the Lord say to us? So that's the, what was going on in my heart. I know I went a little bit long, but I, I wonder if we could just come back as a whole group and, and, um, and, and just maybe have a process of a little bit and just see what the Lord is, how the, what the Lord is saying to us. I think we're so dependent upon the Lord to, um, because many cases, we're, we're talking about blind spots, right? I mean, we, we, we know what we know that's not right about ourselves. And we want God to deal with that. And hopefully we're in a state of constant repentance about that. Um, and we know how God is blessed, but there are blind spots in our lives where we, we don't realize that what yeah. we did did not honor the Lord and was yeah. not loving yeah. and was not patient. Um, so, you know, my prayer is that not only the obvious things God would point out to me, but also the things that I'm blind to. Amen. Um, being raised in the South and um, I, I've spent a little time in the North and honestly, I, I, 
I've seen racism everywhere I've lived. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have too. It's just, it's just that the particular people that are picked on change depending on mm -hmm. where you are. Yeah. But I, I don't want that to be a blind spot for me mm -hmm. where I overlook something that can be different. Yeah. And then of course, when you're praying for the nation, you're, you're realizing that, um, I mean, I wanted to pray for that man who, who was applying the pressure and he had several other policemen with him doing the same thing on farther down the guy's back. But either they were acting out of pro protocol or they were acting against protocol. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you can stop a single person from being a sinner. Mm -hmm. You can have the best plans and systems and procedures in the world mm -hmm. that are godly and righteous and people don't follow them. Yeah. So it just points at our great need for, for, for the Lord and, and the great need that we have to know that who we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, he, he wants, he's, he's at work within us. He says yeah. that he's at, he's pleased to be at work within us. Amen. So, um, yeah. And Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd help me to make my identity. Um, help me see who you, who you see me to be and who you made me to be. And Lord, let that be my heart's desire is to be a, a love ambassador for Jesus Christ, a faithful witness, Lord, to, to be one who, who loves my neighbor as myself. And when I ask, who is my neighbor? You give me the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, I, I pray that that would be true in me and, uh, and my wife and family, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will open our eyes to, to the fig leaves that we've all that we all have to hide behind, that we hide behind. Jesus, if we could only be who you have made us to be, the world would be a completely different place. So I pray, Lord, open our eyes to what you have made us to be, the person that you want us to be. There's no greater thing. And I ask that you will um, show us that because we have blind spots. As Bill said, Lord, make us see our own blind spots, Lord. Lord, I pray the same thing. I just ask that you would reveal to us those false identities that we have hidden behind. Father, I pray that as you reveal them to us, that you would um, just gently set us free from those false identities. Help us to see um, what has caused those identities. And Lord, show us how to walk out of identifying with those things so we can walk into the fullness of our identity in Christ so we can be all that you, would, you created us to be. Lord, I just ask um, that personally, I just repent of false identities I've hidden behind for years and pray that you would just um, reveal the true identity that I need to walk in. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, my heart is aching for all those who don't know you, who don't know their identity. 
all of our friends of other races and religions that we have known in our lives who live under a label or a condemnation or under pride or self-righteousness or whatever, Lord, that we all are your children. And Lord, we long so much to be made whole in you and those that we love to see them made whole in you and our city to be made whole in you and our nation to be made whole in you. And those that we know who are angry, that they would be made whole in you. Yes. And those that we know that are broken, mm -hmm. they would be made whole in you. Oh God, we ask for your healing touch mm -hmm. as we begin in the body of Christ to spread throughout our land, as we humble ourselves before you and repent of our sin and ask you to heal our land, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Dear Lord, I thank you for this message that you uh, deeply touched my heart today. Um, thank you that you're working with my heart. It's easy to see what people do and think with my human think, think thoughts that what is right, what is wrong. But um, you, Lord, who can change our hearts. You change our mind. Please bless people, bless people around that they start to they start to look for you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I thank you that on Pentecost you sent the Holy Spirit. We really aren't capable of uncovering the leaves and trying to figure it all out ourselves. That's right. But you are capable. <laughs> and we want to yield ourselves to your spirit. Lord, earlier in our meeting, um, you spoke the word repent to us. And really, that's what it is. When we see what's under those fig leaves, Lord, I pray that you would give us such um, a taste in our mouths that we wouldn't want anything to do with those fig leaves anymore. That by your spirit, we would long, yes. we would long for the identity that you have um, established for us. Yes. And Lord, that we would long more for you and that there would be a, a true communion that would come in each of our lives as, uh, as you would be drawing us closer to you. Yes, Lord. So send forth your spirit, yes, Lord. Lord. Yes, Lord. Come. Convict us, instruct us, help us. Come. Jesus, we, just come. like those people in the parking lot, it was easy to see how desperate they were. Lord, help us see how desperate we are. That's right. Lord, we want to be desperate for you. And then we really do want to go out as transformed people like Peter did. Like Camille did this week. Um, Lord, thank you. Lord, I believe this is a message that strikes fear in demons. 
if we really get a hold of the understanding and the reality of who we are in Christ, it strikes fear in demons. We know that the enemy's at work trying to distort the image of who we are as believers, that we're racist or that we're um, uncaring, uh, hypocritical. And at times, Lord, maybe we are those things, but when we're the church, when we embrace who you've created us in Christ to be, it's our love that distinguishes us, our love for one another. Lord, may we embrace uh, this message that, and really press in to know our sonship, our daughtership, uh, who we are in Jesus, and seek to live that out in a way that the world sees our love for one another, our love for you, and our love for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity. Not on the tears which I have shed, not on the sorrows I have known, another's tears, another's griefs, on these I rest, on these alone. Oh, Jesus, Son of God, I build on what thy cross has done for me. There both my life and death I read, my guilt and pardon there I see, there I see. Lord, I believe, oh, deal with me, as one who has thy word believed, I take the gift. Lord, look on me as one who has thy gift received. Oh, Jesus, Son of God, I build on what thy cross has done for me. There both my life and death I read my guilt, my pardon, there I see, there I see. Upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death. I stake my holy identity. Oh, Jesus, Son of God, I build on 
what that cross has done for me. There both my life and death I read, my guilt and pardon there I see. There I see. Lord, bring us to the cross where we have seen the wrath of God poured out upon this one who deserved nothing, none of it. Jesus, you were holy and righteous and innocent. And yet you humbled yourself to give and to serve and to save the wicked, most vilest person who would give their heart to you. Forgive us, Jesus. And Lord, may we walk in this place of repentance with you. Lord, bring to mind, as we can handle it and bear it, Lord, the things that you want to change about who we are and what we think and how we react and how we respond. Lord, we've walked with you and we pray for for your, your grace and your mercy to be rich every day. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive this man and the other policemen who have committed this, uh, this awful deed. Their families, Lord, and what they face right now. Lord, Paul was like that. He was the one who approved when Stephen was stoned. Paul, Lord, he's the one who had the approval of the Pharisee authorities to go to Damascus and bring back all who were devoted to Jesus. And, Lord, you apprehended him. So I pray, Father, that you would apprehend those who are, whose minds and hearts are set upon destruction. And do with them, Lord, what you have done with Paul. And do with us, Lord, what you have done with Paul. Lord, we thank you for those that were out this morning sweeping the streets. But, Lord, a broken heart is not so easily repaired. But, Jesus, you can guide us. To apply the, the balm of Gilead upon the wounds of the people. Have mercy, O Lord. Send your spirit, O Lord. Save us, O Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, sometimes in the silence you just realize that God is...
doing a deep work. Julie was praying last night, and she says, you know, sometimes I just don't have words to pray. And mm -hmm. I just think, well, Lord, thank you for your spirit mm -hmm. who gives us the words. And then when we can't form the words, he prays in a way that we would want to. <laughs> I remember one time Sherry was, uh, I don't know if Sherry's still on, but she was saying, well, you know, the next time you find a person of another race, look them in the eye and smile. Mm -hmm. So Camille, when you said, what's the one thing you can do? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I can do that. That's right. Mm -hmm. I can look, I cannot turn my gaze away. I can mm -hmm. look them in the eye. From any and, and it's not just in different race or different nationality. It's it's every person, mm -hmm. you know. And each one of you can do that. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord can take us to the next step after that. Mm -hmm. To try to be um, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Inherit the kingdom of God. Thank you, Camille. Thank you, Church, for worshiping mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus this morning. Thank you, Bill. Camille, I want to thank you so much for your sensitivity to the Lord. As you said, he had uh, been putting this on your heart for a couple of weeks, and you didn't just keep it in your heart. You were faithful to deliver it. And it fit perfectly with what Preston challenged us with last week of looking at what the Lord really wanted to do in our lives transformationally through COVID. Mm -hmm. And I think with so many distractions gone um, for us in our lives at, at this point, then, then the, it's, the Lord is zooming right in on what he's wanting to do in our hearts individually and in us as a church mm -hmm. and he's doing it for a reason mm -hmm. um what's on the other side of it <laughs> and uh and what he's doing the preparation work in us um to do to take the next steps i love the way that you presented what you presented so thank you thank you so much and i also love the fact that we do have a body and that uh, Coco and Ugo have already mentioned it, but one of the members of our body is 18 years old today. I don't know, is he around, Ugo, Coco? He's not around, he's, uh, he's right now he's uh, outside. He went for a walk by himself. He told us he wanted to, to uh, spend some time uh, reflecting uh, he's out there. Wow. Well, yeah. I know you all have been running every day, every morning. I think Ugo and Luis get up at like five o'clock or five thirty to run. Yeah. Because they want to stay healthy. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, a, it's a good way to um, to be connected. Also, uh, you know, uh, there's always a ways to find. Uh, uh, time, quality time, 
uh, with each other. Plus, it's it's good for them to keep them strength and discipline. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife is doing the very same thing with uh, our daughter in the afternoons after she comes back from work. Even though she's tired and everything, she she values that uh, time, and it's important for all of us mm -hmm. to uh, be able to do this and uh, talk and uh, uh, try to also develop some uh, some knowledge on them about uh, the blessings that we receive every day and how how good our, our God is to us and um, how they can uh, honor these blessings uh, through their actions. So that's why we use that time not only to <laughs> stay in shape. Okay, let's get Oh, she's so excited to see you all. <laughs> We're excited to see you all. It is good to see you. Okay. Okay. And we go ahead, uh, thank you. Uh, she she's uh, she's looking forward to for all of us to be together again, once more. Uh, we are, but uh, we're looking to have that, you know, person to person again. That will be wonderful. Yeah, we agree. We agree. Yes, and we also want to congratulate Coco. She has a new job. Ah, thank you. And she has been um, noticed by her employer, and they have. Uh, Ugo, can you tell everybody what has happened in her job? Well, she she got an invitation to to uh, be a part of a team because of the situation. They um, the state uh, the state gave this uh, company a contract so they could supply. Uh, face shields, face masks, and uh, uh, protective uh, equipment for uh, first responders, uh, uh, doctors and nurses, so uh, all that people that need that uh, material now. So she, she, she took that opportunity. They are at a uh, manufacturing facility in Pittsburgh. They are doing that for, for all these people. And uh, she got really good at it. And then, uh, well, uh, first, she seemed to be the one that uh, get the best uh, way to uh, not only assemble, but also pack the stuff uh, with uh, the quality standards that they required. So they took her as a, uh, 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 what would that be? Kind of, kind of a trainer, partner there to show the rest of the people how to do that. Okay. Now she has taken some leadership and uh, quality control uh, courses. And uh, they gave her a couple of weeks ago some productivity uh, award too. And then this last week, this week actually, they extended her contract for a year because this was supposed to be just uh, uh, momentarily. 
just a couple of months, but now she's staying for for a year and probably then uh, more more than that, hopefully. Wow. Yeah, she's doing great. Congratulations, Coco. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you. you all. Congratulations. Tell Louise happy birthday. Thank you. Oh, we will. Happy birthday for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we have another birthday this week on Wednesday. Um, Sunlock, is Jisoo around? Oh, yeah. Just... <laughs> happy birthday, Jisoo. Thank you. We got a birthday uh, card from the church, so uh, I'd like to thank you for you all. And Jisoo, thank you. Happy birthday! Thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And um, Magda, are you still? Yeah, there you are. We did not have you on our birthday list. I'm so sorry. So oh, we, okay. didn't, we didn't send you a card yet. But we're your card oh, right good. now. Monica, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday. We are so glad you are with us. It's so wonderful. Such a delight to have you and to have Jisoo and Luis. So, Bill, you want to lead us in a happy birthday <laughs> Zoom? <laughs> yes. Uh, Magda and Luis and and Jisoo. Jisoo, Jisoo. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Uh, I hope that wasn't recorded. <laughs> Actually, I do have it recorded, Greg. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. <laughs> Can we go ahead and do the same for all of them in the Mexican style? Yeah, please, please, go ahead, go ahead, lead us in that. <laughs> Mira que ya amaneció, ya los pajaritos cantan, la luna ya se metió. That's great, and Coco, thank you for signing that too. That was, yeah. that was the sign language. Yeah. I yeah. was just thinking, you know, y'all sang that to Julie on her birthday back in March. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, we, but Julie and I both looked at it at the same time. I'd like to hear the birthday song in Korean. How about you? You mean that we are singing a birthday party song? In Korean. In Korean. Okay. Korean. Korean. Singing to Kamida Taranan 
누구누구누구 생일 축하합니다. 합니다. Thank you. Camille, you sing. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sing, but I'm going to give her happy birthday in German, okay? Okay, yes. Herzlichen Glückwunsch zum Geburtstag. Dankeschön. That's the German style. <laughs> yeah. okay. is, is Galena on still? Yes. Yeah. I see your face. I'm here. Yeah, maybe you can say happy birthday in Russian. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, how about happy birthday in Chinese? I mean, <laughs> while, we're, while we're at it, touching every base. While we're at it. It's like the banquet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, you got to unmute. Honey's happy birthday. Oh, hi, everyone. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Lucy, you have a nice singing voice too. Yeah, you do. Your Chinese is very good. Yeah, yeah your Chinese is very good. I just want to share something. Um, some time ago when the, we first started the lockdown, of, I started ordering groceries online. and So I really haven't been to the grocery store but um, I know some, some people, and that mainly is because of caring for my mother. But um, one thing that God convicted me over was that I really, need, or encouraged me, that I needed to, as people were putting food in the back of my van, I asked them, what's your name? Mm -hmm. And then I say their name, and I say, thank you so much for serving me. I'm going to pray and ask God to protect you from the virus. And, you know, I've gotten so many different responses, but every time we have an opportunity like that, as, as Camille said, to look somebody in the eye, call their name, and just thank mm -hmm. them, whether they open the door for you, mm -hmm. um, whatever, to, to bless people in the name of the Lord every time we have an opportunity to speak to somebody. Mm -hmm. And of course, God will give us each creative ideas of how mm -hmm. that's supposed to look. But as we cross paths with people, we just want to bless them, bless them with the love of Jesus. And if we have an opportunity, Give it to Jesus. Amen. That's great, Julie. Speaking like that. somebody's name is very powerful. Yeah, yeah.